Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Good morning, and we are live on uh, our wonderful show. Um, it uh, is a beautiful morning uh, here in December, and today's topic is uh, the prefrontal cortex. What is too little and what is too much? Um, and this is uh, a fascinating topic uh, for me, and I think will also be for our listeners. And uh, I have my wonderful friend and business partner, Anne, on the call. Good Hi, morning, everybody. Anne. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, everybody. It's 8 o'clock out here in Cannons, California. So. And yes, oh. it's 11 here in Florida. We are at the opposite ends of the country. So thank you we to are. technology. Yes, exactly. And I, I love talking about the, I've really gotten to enjoy talking about the prefrontal cortex and um, this sort of fascinating research that we came, that I came across when I was doing the, the my um, graduate program in neuroscience. Um, so should we start there, Ursula? Yes. Yeah, so, so tell me, so what did you find fascinating when you learned about <laughs> The prefrontal cortex. Yeah, I can add was, a few things of my own, but I let you oh, start. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, the prefrontal cortex, just just because I think it's good to kind of start with the, the basics, is the um, uh, the latest, the last part of the brain to develop. And that's true both evolutionarily and it's also true in kids as we develop. And it's the it's the part of the brain that they're talking about when you hear people say, oh, you know, um, kids' brains don't develop until they're, they're now the new research is in their 20s. At least mm-hmm. they're not fully, you know, not fully developed. And the prefrontal cortex sort of is, is traditionally associated with things like um, the ability to do long-term planning, the ability to delay gratification, the ability to have empathy. What else, Ursula, do you remember about being in the, being well, the, the one that, that really, uh, the really the one that stands out for me, um, because I can really relate to it, is fuzzy thinking. Mm. Uh, that it gets um, it gets really hard to focus and make uh, you know a clear decision. Now I really love well, this. Hang on, part hang on of, one second. Hold on, because yeah. I want to be. I want to um, uh, just be. Uh, clear about that because we're mm-hmm. talking about what actually the prefrontal cortex does so the so one of the things that it does is is helps you focus mm-hmm. so that so the fuzzy thinking is um not the that's what happens if we've got a problem with the prefrontal cortex well that's that the opposite obviously <laughs> right exactly that's it's not in charge of fuzzy thinking but that's what can happen when um when the prefrontal cortex is not you know we we would call it in in non-technical terms when it's not online. So the the thing that fascinated me, you know, learning about the prefrontal cortex, okay, that's interesting because it's always interesting to hear about the different parts of the brain. But what is so interesting is that the prefrontal cortex does the um, needs just this perfect chemical balance. It really wants to be in balance. And I know you got a big kick out of when I shared with you um, this professor, Amy Arntzen, who calls it the Goldilocks of the brain. <laughs> yes, it, it's it's a wonderful um, picture. I get a I get a great picture that helps me understand um, the prefrontal cortex better. 
Yeah, the um, the Goldilocks of the brain really relates to that this part of our brain, this seat, this part of this place where we're able to do this higher thinking, or at least a lot, uh, it's part of what's going on in higher thinking, a major part of it, um, needs to have its chemicals in really good balance, and mm-hmm. so. Um, and here, the, this, and I know you know this, Ursula, but I just have to share with our listeners. It's so interesting, is that you have to picture it like an upside down horseshoe, with the bottom part, both ends, you know, right and left, um, uh, coming to the same place, and the mm-hmm. top part being like this, the peak of the horseshoe, that that top of that curve being kind of the just right place, mm-hmm. and. The two sides are too little stimulation or too little stress and too much stimulation. Both of them have, so if you have too few chemicals in the brain and too many, the impact on the prefrontal cortex seems to be the same where you go to this place of it not doing its job very well. And so you have the, what you were talking about before, the fuzzy thinking. Mm-hmm. The, um, and I ability, think, uh, yeah. sorry to interrupt, I, I no, think okay. that is uh, one of the most I think for me at least, one of the most important things about this learning is that too little stimulation and too much creates the same feel, that there isn't a, you know, there isn't a, a clear distinction between overwhelm, as I would put it, and, mm-hmm. and, and boredom on the other side. Now, yeah, I want to, uh, yeah, as ahead. part of this foundation, I want to talk a little bit about the chemicals. And I know that the, the, I don't know if you would say the most important one, but the one that I really remember is norepinephrine. Can you yeah, say a little no, bit more about what that is? Yeah, norepinephrine, anything that has the, the, the suffix penephrine, mm-hmm. ephrine, yes. is going to have to do with adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Um, and Noah tells me because that suffix means on top of the kidneys, or which is where the adrenal glands are. Oh, really? Um, well, you're yeah, kind of fun. <laughs> I, I don't. I haven't verified that, but I thought that, that was interesting. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So that's going to be things. Re- so things related to adrenaline. Norepinephrine is the adrenaline of the brain, and the brain likes to have this this good balance of it. There's mm-hmm. also dopamine comes into it and I think other chemicals, but the main ones would be dopamine and norepinephrine and that's what we need to have um just enough but not too much mm-hmm. to kind of sharpen our thinking. And that's why when we're bored or really disengaged from our job, um we don't we're not as um we're just not as good at things often. Mm-hmm. Um yes. it's also the reason that many of us like I'm a as you know, I'm a writer so uh, I love having deadlines, and mm-hmm. in because I need just that little bit of pressure. Yes, um, they don't stress me out. Now, for some people, they are stressful, but for me, they give me just that little bit of pressure that actually makes my thinking more clear. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's I, that's really interesting. Thanks for that example. I want to sort of tie this in a little bit uh, to the you know to the holidays. Mm. What I'm what what comes to my mind then as we talk about the deadlines is as I look at you know for example Christmas Day which happens to be the the celebration that we celebrate in our house but obviously you know there are people that have other deadlines <laughs> mm. uh, is that if I start early enough for example this week 
it gives me enough stimulation so that I'm that I'm loving it and I'm clear where and how and which. But I noticed that in other years, due to circumstances, I had to delay some of this and do it basically just a couple of days beforehand. And then it begins to be really stressful, and I oh, do not yeah. decide as clearly. Really? Oh, that's a really, that's a great example. So if you, if, if you can't get to it, and then you're feeling like you're down, kind of down to the wire. It's harder for you to figure out, okay, what are we having for dinner and who needs what and what presents am I getting and all of that. Yeah, much harder. I'm sort of all over the place, don't know where to begin. Um, and it's uh, and I am noting it this year where, you know, I've been at home the month of December and will be. It's It's sort of like it's got a good pace and I'm sort of getting just into the swing of things. Interesting, interesting, just enough. But if you were to start in July, then... <laughs> it's oh, I, I love the thought, but that's not yeah. going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And I think you are right. If I would start in July, I, I mean, I wouldn't because I'm simply not motivated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, again, so I think that uh, whether it's, uh, you know, writing or, you know, in this case, the holidays or any other deadline, I really, would you also think it depends on the person? Some people are more uh, inspired and motivated by certain deadlines, while others yeah. really are not. Yeah, I think so. I think it's very, um, it's very specific, sort of how, um, how much, like how much is too much and, um, I don't think that there's one one size fits all where you say everybody, you know, everybody should have a deadline. And I think that's one of the things that's really important to me about this this part of brain science, and can be really helpful for people. I mean, one of the things that's really interesting is if you again, if you think about that curve, um, women tend to naturally be right at the sort of sort of center. Um, mm-hmm. Just right, like that's where we mm-hmm. kind of go naturally. Whereas men, according to the research, tend to be a little bit to the left, a little bit to the too little side. And um, I think, you know, having worked in corporate America, been seeing a lot of managers, male and female, and I don't yes. mean to, I really don't mean to like overgeneralize, but I've seen something that um, some managers, not all men, but some managers, sort of will will challenge and push and, you know, create competition in order to motivate. Yeah. And that seems to be, in general, often a bit more motivating for men than it is for women. Mm-hmm. No, again, I mean, I, I really, I, yes, I think that's, uh, I can see this, uh, you know, I can see the difference here in my own house between my husband and myself. You know, he certainly... Um, thrives a lot better under pressure and with shorter deadlines than I do. Mm-hmm. I mean that is uh, that is quite uh, c- quite clear to me and so I and as you said I mean without generalizing but I I think we we do have examples in our lives where that becomes uh, really really clear. Um, and we often use this example of uh, for example competition um, yeah. such as um you know, t- television uh, shows, you know, competitions there where men, I think, do sometimes do a lot better because that pressure, I think, just agrees with them more. I I believe, I mean, I, you know, I haven't done this analysis and this is just, you know, what makes sense to me, but I 
I have always wondered because um, I know I've talked to you that I love to I love to watch Jeopardy with with my son, and I've always wondered why there are so many more men. Is it just that the women aren't as interested, and the women often mm-hmm. don't do as well? Um, do they just not like it? You know, there's certainly nothing in intelligence tests that say that men are um, better, are, more, are smarter, or have better memories. There's yes. nothing in there that that says you know that that's the case. And yet, in this game show, um, mm-hmm. now some people say it's just that they're better at pressing the button. There's some connection in their brain that makes it easier for them to buzz in. But I also I don't think it's just that. I think it's something about that the competition sharpens memory. I mean, memory and memory encoding and retrieval is part of another thing that's going on mm-hmm. in the prefrontal cortex. So if yes. you've got a little bit of stress, it may make the men better, whereas the stress may be making the women more nervous. Um, mm-hmm. And putting and actually overloading the prefrontal cortex. So it's it's true for me. If I'm on the you know if I'm really on the spot like in a competition, I'm much more likely to go uh, you know like and then of course I can remember it later. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know it's 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 true. I mean uh, even. Uh, I mean, quite honestly, even in this radio show, if you were to put me on the spot with a question that, you know, I would have to fumble around with, I think I would be a lot slower in responding versus if we would be sitting at my coffee table and we're just having a cup of tea. Right, right. So there is something about that, uh, you know, that clarity and that response that seems, certainly for me, seems to be, there is that zone. There is that yeah. just right. And I wanted the other thing I wanted to say because you were talking about your husband and you know he dealing him dealing a little better with with stress than than you because I, I wanted to weave in that the studies have shown um, that men are men tend to be better at short term stress, but women tend to do better at long term. Mm. We're kind of, and if you think about being hunters and gatherers, and yes. you know, sort of the the, the being mm-hmm. able to pay attention while you're stalking a you know wounded animal, um, you know that yep. that very good focus in a tense situation, um, that makes sense. But then you think about the stress of, you know, the the tribe hasn't had any food for a few days, and the women are looking and looking and looking, and caring for the children and all of that. Um, yep. We tend to manage that long term better. Yeah, if that is fascinating. If you think about the uh, of uh, if you think about our evolution and how that still ties into um, particularly the brain, and although those situations aren't present anymore, but it's still we are still what's the word of it? We're still dealing with it. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're not hunters and gatherers anymore. We're not, you know, stalking, you know, the <laughs> wounded animal. But it, it, it's, uh, you know, from a from a physical perspective and from the brain, those those things are still there. Yeah, you know, I, I think we we you know the joke is that women are that's why women like to shop because we're gatherers. I love that. I hadn't do. heard. I hadn't oh, yeah. heard that one yet. Oh my gosh, I I love that. I can completely yeah. use that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're out that there. Is... We're out there gathering. But but you know, we were 
human beings have been around for about 200 homo sapiens you know in this in this yeah, yeah. version of of what we know as being you know our, our earliest human ancestor or homo sapien they they say it's about 200,000 years and we've only been not hunter gatherers for about 10,000 years of that and that and that's you know where we've been sort of moving out of being hunter gatherers in some parts of the world it was much you know the yes. transition was only a couple thousand years so if you think about it 95% of human history yes. we have lived tribally yes. we've lived in small groups yep. yeah and i find that really fascinating because i think it's encoded in the, the what it takes to live well in a small group is encoded in us and mm-hmm. is still very much a part of us yes and when um, you think about how quickly uh, the world is changing, um, it is not surprising that um, you know we we struggle with uh, being on our own. We, you know, I certainly struggle with the you know as 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 a, much of a blessing technology is, but it has also made us uh, sometimes more solitary. Yeah, you know, yeah, a lot in, of people in, working. You know, uh, you know, long distance working, less commuting, which is great, but we also spent, I think, a little bit more time on our own. Yeah. So that, back to the prefrontal yeah. cortex. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, so when there is too little, um, how can we get back to just right, and if there is too much, how yeah. can we go um, to just right? I, I think so. I, and maybe just talk a little bit about more of the experience of, of too little, um, uh, because I, I, it's really interesting. And I think if, if you know, all of our listeners just think about a time where you didn't have enough stimulation. And mm-hmm. it's really kind of... Um, you know, I think there's so. I'll just tell. I'll just tell the story. I think sometimes we go to too little because we've been in too much. Yes. And we'll talk about how we come back. But you know, there was that time about seven years ago where I was really, really in too much. And you and I, Ursula, were driving all over the state of Minnesota, doing um, workshops, uh, getting up at 4 a.m. to go teach a bunch of AmeriCorps. Um, coaching skills and things like that, trying to run this nonprofit that nobody seems to want to fund, you know, being moms. And yes. I really got myself into this um, over overstimulation on the one side of the prefrontal cortex where I didn't even feel like I necessarily knew who I was anymore. It mm-hmm. was just like, do the next thing, do the next thing, put your head down, do the next thing. Yeah. And, um, we reorganized our life and moved to Costa Rica, sold everything. Both of us were, you know, my ex-husband and I were, who's my husband at the time, really overwhelmed. And so we did that fantasy that people have and people, you know, I hear people talk about it now. Oh, I'm just going to move to a desert island, right? Yeah, <laughs> yep. Absolutely. I mean, I've said it. I'm just going to run away and, uh, you know, move to an island with nobody on it. Just me. <laughs> and there are times where, you know, that really, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> I was like, wow, let me do that. Um, so I did. You know, I moved to the end of the dirt road in Costa Rica, as you, yes, as you, you know, did. you came and visited me. And it was, it, you know, it took, a, it took a little bit of time to kind of settle down and relax. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a lot of stimulation, too, because it was new. But after we'd been there for a while and got into the rhythm of things and kind of knew how to do what we were doing, and I didn't, I and we were just sort of getting up every day and 
there wasn't anything much to do, it was really, really, it became difficult to function well, to yes. really know, like, what I cared about or know mm-hmm. um, that I had that I had any um, value anymore. I mean, I used to run the nonprofit with you and, and do all sorts of things. And, yes. you know, I started really doubting my ability to do anything. And I've heard this from people who have been in, um, unemployed for a while. Mm-hmm. or underemployed yes. that this conversation about do I have like am I any good at any it starts feeling like like I like I don't really know that I'm that smart or good at anything mm-hmm. and I think it's that under stimulation of the prefrontal cortex that makes it harder to focus I found it a lot harder to make decisions at times um you know, figure out solutions to problems much harder um, mm-hmm. at the end of the dirt road than um, when I had something that was interesting down there or, you know, in my life now, which is much more balanced. Yeah, no, that's a really, really great example and sort of, uh, you know, whittling it down almost to just, a, you know, just one day. I can I can feel that uh, that. You know, when I know I have multiple coaching clients and I have a conference call, that I get up and get into a really lovely rhythm much quicker than when I know that, uh, you know, I either have a, a free day or there's only something going on at, you know, at 10 in the morning and then nothing. I really notice that I, I need to have a certain amount of you know, as you say, stimulation and purpose and um, and action to really be at my best. Yeah, that's a really good example that reminds me of the saying, if you, you know, if you want something done, give it yes. to a busy person, right? Yes. Yep. And I think, think about times when, when I had jobs, you know, back in the day when, when I was, you know, in college and um, or my early jobs where I was, I was, it really wasn't taking my brain power and and i couldn't get stuff done i couldn't get mm-hmm. even silly. like i'd you know put off the filing i'd put off the boring tasks not because i was lazy but because i couldn't get interested enough to actually be able to do them yeah you know it's interesting i've uh, you know sometimes i uh, have uh, you know coaching scenarios with people talk about oh i'm such a procrastinator and it has really helped me um to learn about the brain and looking at that challenge from that perspective of mm. saying well you know are you really a procrastinator or are you not inspired are you is yeah. it too much or is there too little rather than saying oh you know i just can't get anything done and i'm just one of those people who are procrastinating <laughs> i don't really believe in that anymore i that's really i think that's real i think we need to do more uh, you know field research on this because i think that's really cool ursula um that it that it can be that it's just that you know we, we've talked about for years before we knew anything about the brain that if that um the question is and this is common often common knowledge now in in um management that it's not necessarily that the person is a bad person if they're not doing a good job but it just is probably a bad fit and that's mm-hmm. very much a coaching view of things like let's figure out if you're not thriving in this job if you're not you know really shining it's probably because it's not really a good fit for you mhm 
to some yes. degree. And what I've started adding to that, um, generally if I'm working with a leader who's got um, someone that they're, that, you know, they're supervising, who's not doing a good job, um, what I'll start asking them is at least it's one place to look, and maybe our listeners can, can take this today. It's not necessarily the answer, but a great place to look is, does this person, is there, what's going on in their brain? Why don't you take a look and see, is there too little or too much? Mm-hmm. Are they not inspired? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've definitely seen that with with supervisors where they've got someone who's doing a job that is not their it's really not what their heart wants to do, so they're not doing a good job. Or um, I had one uh, a leader that I worked with who had someone who worked for her um, who had started out really good and had interviewed well and started out well, but as she got into the job, she just started dropping the ball. And in talking with her, my um, my client realized in talking with her that she came from a culture where she had a lot of pressure from her parents to really really succeed, mm-hmm. and she's she was in a in a position where um, there was a fair she felt like there was a fair amount of pressure, and she started it started freaking her out. Yeah. So her prefrontal cortex got a little overloaded, and mm-hmm. um, you know couldn't couldn't do a very good job anymore even yes. though she 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 really did have the capacity but she needed to find a way to get into a job that was a little less um high visibility because yes. it, it 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 took her over the edge to where she wasn't good where she um, wasn't even though fun, yeah, was where she wasn't yeah. yeah where she wasn't effective uh, or exactly. not as effective as as she as she could have um and i think uh, certainly you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of curious about something. Do you think that um, the the overstimulation, so the too much of the prefrontal cortex, in our culture or just generally, we are more aware of that than in the the too little? Um, yeah, I think that we are not aware at all. I don't think this is. I think we do get aware that oh my god, I'm stressed out. Yes, I'm not. Um, but I, I think both of it, we still have this view, even if you're stressed out, you should. we don't necessarily realize that being stressed out overloads your brain and makes it harder to actually think. I don't mm-hmm. think people are aware of that. And I really don't think that they're aware that until you, until you start talking about it and then people go, oh, that makes sense why I struggled so much. Mm-hmm. In that class, I tried to take an accounting class once because I was working as an office manager and we really needed me to do the bookkeeping. And so I went off to accounting class because I, you know, wanted to please my boss. I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm fully, my brain is fully capable of comprehending spreadsheets. And you, as oh, you absolutely. know, absolutely. I mean, you've I done do neuroscience spread- for crying out loud. <laughs> well, and, and, and I do the spreadsheets for be above. I do the, you yes. know, I'm, if I'm trying to figure out, you know, if we're going to make money. And I love, I, I find nothing more fascinating than to figure out what do we need to charge for a program and what's the airfare going to be and all of that. Mm-hmm. At the time, I couldn't. I couldn't it's like I couldn't bring the numbers into focus because I didn't care abstractly about it. But if I need to, you know, if, if you and I are putting on a program and we're going to London and I got to figure that out, I I I can lose track of time I find it so interesting. You know, I also think that uh, uh you know, sort of uh, underlying that and speaking to that, uh 
I think certainly for me, when I get to uh, too much, so when I have a you know case of overwhelm, what brings me back into just enough is breaking it down into smaller chunks. Yes. And so what reminds me of this example is, and I certainly can identify with this because you know me. Uh, although I'm in charge of you know bank accounts for be above and all that, it's, it's certainly. It's certainly not my necessarily my absolute passion, and I don't even think I'm all that talented at it. But it is a small amount. Now, if I would be facing an accounting class, it's just the sheer volume of that that would send me into too much of right. thinking. We- There's all this going on and all these details. While when I do the bank account, or in your case, the spreadsheet, well, it's just one small piece, and I love be above, so it makes sense right. that you know that I can do it because it serves a greater purpose. Right. So you get you get in that place of it's of it's just enough. Yeah. It, yeah. Exactly. It, it's exactly. just enough because it's a smaller chunk, and uh, you know I'm inspired by it. Well, you had asked, you know, sort of what are the strategies on either side. Let's do that really quickly before we wrap up today. So, you know, if I think about when people or if I'm having a place of too little, like not enough stimulation, then really feels like the answer are things like looking at my values, looking at meaning, looking at, um, you know, what will bring some zest and color either to my life or to the whatever I'm working on. Um, if I feel sort of under under stimulated, um, mm-hmm. that's what I'm looking for. Is I'm looking for some juicy richness there. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I often look at you know uh, you know what's a challenge. What what would yeah. be new learning? I mean, I look at novelty. I look at something new. Uh, yeah. You know how you know how 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 would that help? And how could I do that better? Um, that gets me really you know gets me more into in, into a zone into a just right. And you, that's, I'm really glad you brought that up because I wasn't even thinking that you're exactly right. A deadline. You know, for me, as a writer, I can get into this zone of like, oh, my gosh, it's, well, I can go to either side. Either I don't know what to do and I don't feel very smart about what I'm writing about, or I can go to this, oh, my God, there's so much to say that I'm a little overwhelmed. And so, but mostly having a deadline kind of sharpens me up a little bit and makes mm-hmm. it easier for me to, to think having someone that I'm accountable to puts a yes. little bit of pressure yep. there um, yep. in a good way often. They're kind of like, okay, I'm going to do this now. Well, um, this, in this respect, you know, I think coaching is just so wonderful. You know, that is the sounding board and the accountability buddy and the person that says, well, when are you going to start? Yeah. You know, when are you, when are you when finally going to do it? You've been talking about it, you know, for months. <laughs> Right. Time to sharpen up that prefrontal cortex. Let's, uh, you know, I remember I I give a story about a a coach of mine. uh, I'll gladly give his name. He's a fabulous coach, CTA faculty member, Eric Kohner. And uh, uh, he's one of the things he's so good at is really challenging his clients. And I remember I was... I was procrastinating and not doing anything about getting enough clients for certification. And he said to me, he said, I'm not going to coach you around this anymore. You're fully capable of doing this, and I expect you to have your clients by the time we get on the call next week or in two weeks. <laughs> scared the shit out of me. You know, yeah, that me. sharpened your prefrontal cortex for it, sure. You know what? It did. Now, there are ways that we can scare people too much, 
sometimes <laughs> calling sometimes calling forth in in a in a relationship can actually take people kind of over the top. Yep. In that case, there was I trusted him. We had a great relationship. I knew he wasn't just being mean, and I knew he was right. And so I wouldn't say I don't think that that's a strategy to always do. Mm-hmm. It's a but within the context, it really sharpened me up, and I sort of went, Whoosh, okay, zoom, yep, good, I'm on it. Yep, there's things that I can do. Um, so again, one size doesn't fit all, and and but there are times where really calling somebody forth is just the extra little bit they need to kind of get them, you know, get them get them kind of focused focused in. But if you call them forth so much that they feel like, or if you call them forth without relationship, back to this tribal thing, yes. where it's kind of like, what are you going to do? What you, and they don't feel, they feel like you're judging them, or they feel like they're not really safe, or if I don't do this, I'm not part of the group. That can actually take the prefrontal cortex over to the side where they're not as effective, and you end up with this kind of deer-in-the-headlights look. And I yes. think as coaches yep. and leaders, we need to be really sensitive to what's enough and what's too much, and and keeping the relationship in place is really key. And we probably should, you know, bookmark for a future call some of the work on feedback that we've been doing. Ursula, have we done that? Have we done that on blog? No, Talk we haven't have done, done that yet. Feedback? I think that would be, yeah, that would be lovely for a for a future call for sure. Um, I also think, you know, building on that, uh, that uh, it also depends how much pressure people already put on themselves. I think, mm. uh, you know, I'm a person that really needs very deadline, very little deadline pressure or accountability because I already do that for myself. So if I then have people that, you know, push me in that direction, that pushes me very, very easily over the edge because I mm. already know what I need to do and when I need to do it and how to get there. So I think it's, uh, you know, from any perspective, whether it is, uh, you know, in a relationship or as a coach or as an advisor, as a manager, it really is important to ask the right questions to, to determine whether, you know, what does, what is right for people and what pushes right. them over the edge right. on either side. Right, and that it's not going to be the same for every person, that you could have someone that you're working with who just is like, yeah, bring it on and give me more, and you can have someone else that a little bit may take them into a place where they're not as effective. And this is all what we want. It's not about being careful of people and people are fragile. It's not at all. It's about knowing where are you at your most effective and where are the people around you if you're a coach? Where are your clients going to be at their most effective? How much is too much? It's not a question, you know, Ursula and I can answer for you. It's a question to, you know, Rainier Rilke, the poet Rilke said, learn to love the questions. Yes. This is an yeah. inquiry to live into. Yes. Yes, absolutely, and uh, you know, really love the the idea that we need to be curious about people. And I also think it is needs to be taken in the context of the bigger picture, uh, of finding out what else is going on in people's lives that uh, might not be clearly evident, particularly if they work in an organization. Right. They m- might have a whole load of. Uh, you know, a whole lot of luggage and, and extra things going on in their private lives that, that then, you know, it, 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 it impacts how effective we are yeah, at work. The cu- and the cumulative load, you know, it's not just the stress of any one thing, but the cumulative load of stress can push people over the edge. So, yeah. well, fabulous. Let's... Um, 
uh, let's wrap up. We will bookmark feedback is probably a great topic for um, in January because people are going to be starting to think about performance annual performance reviews for some people. They're on a January cycle, so um, I think we'll we'll talk about um, feedback and kind of some of the neuroscience around um, what works and and how to give feedback effectively um, next time. That um, is great. Those- yes, I think. As we start the new year, uh, where people often reflect uh, back and uh, look forward and towards something else, I think that's a that's a great uh, topic uh, to put in um, in January. And I think um, let me just quickly check. I think we're scheduled January fifteenth uh, okay. for our great. next call. That is a that's a second. I think that's the second week in uh, in January again on a Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And uh, we thank everybody for listening. We appreciate it. And I want to, before we wrap up, Ursula, I just want to remind people or let people know that if you are a coach already and you want to get in on our um, neuroscience consciousness and transformational coaching program, we have an opportunity in San Francisco where we're doing a fast track version. We have one day, January 10th, where we're going to bring you up to speed on module one. With a, There'll be some pre-work so you can do that and then go into module two so you get uh, kind of get to get launched really powerfully in the new year. That's on our website. Um, we also also have a program starting um, the four module series is also starting in Toronto in April yes, and we will be in London exciting. Yeah, and we'll be in London in June as well. So there are some opportunities for you to get into this, um, learning some of these skills, playing with some of the tools that we've developed around um, coaching using the brain. Yes, and I, so I we'll, just want to add a piece in saying that um, uh, I, what I love about our program is that we have made neuroscience practical and and really um, have developed tools to help people not only understand what's going on in the brain, but how to make shifts and, and changes for ourselves and for for our clients. So it's um, it's it's wonderful. It's and it's super fun. It is. It's very, very fun. We are we're awesome fun. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and have a lovely Tuesday. Yes. Thank you, Anne. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.